Welcome to the Gnomecast, a Gnome Stew's tabletop gaming advice podcast. Here we talk with the other gnomes about gaming things to avoid becoming part of the stew, so I guess we'd better be good. This episode is brought to you by awesome Patreon backers like the captivating Craig, the esteemed Erica Bond Barbagaris, and the great Greg Gordon. Today, we have myself, Ange, along with Jared and JT, and we're going to talk about the games we're looking forward to playing or running in 2023. Before we dive into that main topic, though, we're going to ask our get to know a gnome question, which is, what is a game on your shelf that you got fully intending to play or run, but never quite got it to the table? JT, I'm going to start with you. All right. So for me, it's too many to count. Uh, <laughs> I just did a just PDFs alone and all my PDFs are legal and legit. I have 4,466 of them sitting on my hard drive. <laughs> yeah. Now, these aren't purely games, right? There's a lot of adventures and support material and, and splat books and things of that nature across a wide, wide, wide variety of games, you know, probably hundreds of them, or about 120 different games, 4,000 some odd PDFs, right? But talking about physical things sitting on my shelf, I've got the Savage Worlds Rifts. I, I got it on Kickstarter when that was, you know, when campaign was running, uh, received it all. I've got it all sitting behind me on my shelf and I've never quite got it to the table because I've got two players that have issues with Savage Worlds Rifts. <laughs> One of my players does not like Savage Worlds because he doesn't feel heroic enough when he's playing Savage Worlds. We've only done it once. We played a Savage World <laughs> fantasy thing very briefly. I was running the game. I probably didn't run it right because I was still learning Savage Worlds on my own and stuff like that. The other guy has like every Palladium Rifts book ever published <laughs> and probably multiple copies of the core book, right? And he claims that... The Savage Worlds riffs cannot possibly be as gonzo as the Palladium riffs. Well, thank God for that. <laughs> I agree. Uh, and there's plenty of gonzo in the Savage Worlds riffs, as it is. Oh, there is. But it's balanced gonzo. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> I, I fully agree with that because well before Savage Rifts, my group attempted a riffs game. And my response after like our second session is what the hell is this even? <laughs> like I was so mad at the game that we just we just dropped it. Sure. And then we tried again with Savage Rifts and it was definitely more palatable and successful, but it was still way too over the top and we had a bad balance of characters in the group. We we had like half of the group were like the over the top um, glitter boy and baby dragons and all that. And the rest of us were like, I'm an archaeologist. <laughs> it's actually more balanced in the Savage Rifts than in the Palladium Rifts. Yes, much so. That's all another podcast. Uh, but anyway savage riffs is still on my list and on my desires to get to the table and at least run a one shot if not a short-lived campaign so 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 that that's for me uh how about you Ange? what what do you what do you got burning a hole in your shelf that you want to bring to the table i don't know that i'd say it's burning a hole in my shelf anymore but the game that's on my shelf that i was so excited to get was city of mists i was so excited with this kickstarter it looked amazing you know, it was it was powered by the apocalypse. It's right up my alley. And then somewhere between the Kickstarter ending and me getting the book, I you know a little bit of that flame fizzled out. And then I got the book, and you gotta understand, most powered by the apocalypse books are these nice little digest-sized consumable books. City of Miss puts to shame most of the like. It puts to shame my old champions book. Yeah. Oh, wow. It is like massive and thick and it was very overwhelming. And I actually tried reading it in bed one night and 
it hit me in the head and nearly gave me a concussion. <laughs> so I kind of set it aside and it stares at me from my shelf. I can see it from here. And it's like, oh, I should really dig into this and try and bring it to the table. But like, like the flame kind of fizzled on that one. And I, I feel a little guilty about it because I was so excited when it kickstarted. Oh, honestly, that's one that I've been really interested in, too. And I have a problem ever since I've been reviewing books that I don't want to run a game that I have not read 100% of it, which you can see <laughs> might be the problem with trying to <laughs> swing back around and actually reading. Yeah. What about you, Jared? So I would say the game that I was all prepared to run that is sitting on my shelf would be Shadowrun Anarchy. And if you haven't heard of Shadowrun Anarchy, that is the more narrative system that they came up with. There's literally a separate system for Shadowrun Anarchy that is not the normal Shadowrun rule. Is it by the same company that makes Shadowrun? It is by the same company. Um, it, 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 uses, it still uses D6s, but it's a lot more narrative. It is not anywhere near as complicated. And I even wrote up like cheat sheets for people to play. I really got into this when I was playing like the uh, harebrained uh, games, uh, uh, computer RPGs of Shadowrun, because it was like, I really don't want to learn Shadowrun at this age <laughs> in my life because I missed out on it when I was in high school. And then when that rule set came out, I was like, hey, I can do this. And I read through it and I was like, yeah, I could do this. You know, I could. It's simple enough. I can make things up on the fly. But either people get turned off just by the name Shadowrun or they really want to play Shadowrun and not the stripped down version of it. So it's never made it to the table. I love Shadowrun as a setting. Oh, me too. Absolutely adore it. But I stopped playing it at cons because... When I started going to conventions in like 2006-ish timeframe, there were still a lot of people running official Shadowrun games that mm -hmm. weren't missions games. They were like, I've made up this scenario and I'm going to run it and here are the characters for it. And then at some point with the current company that owns it, they shifted that to all official games were missions games where, you know, it's a living world type of thing and you bring your character and like there's nothing wrong with that for the people who love it but it wasn't the shadow run i wanted to play it just it the story was missing because mm -hmm. it was all just focused on what i you know like we don't care about the mission we're just taking the mission to do it so we can get more points and stuff to build up our characters ah. and i'm like eh, that's that's not what i want out of shadow run so <laughs> sure. i love so if you ever do decide to try and bring that to the table jared mm -hmm. i know of one player you've got <laughs> <laughs> nope i'm a hard out uh d6 dipole makes no mathematical sense <laughs> <laughs> taking something from oh it's kind of average so it's a little bit hard and it's a 17 percent jump in difficulty no sorry hard out <laughs> dice pulls need to be at least a d8 if not a d10 <laughs> So it's a new year and it's time to think about the games we're going to be playing over the next 12 months. There's a wide world of games out there to play and it's hard to get to them all. So let's figure out what the gnomes we have on this episode today are hoping to get to the table this year. JT, I'm going to start with you. You give us our first one and then we're going to round robin this. Sounds good to me. All right. So the one I'm really, really, really super excited to get to the table is a game that uh, two buddies of mine and myself have been working on since before the pandemic. We started working on it like right before the world shut down. So this would have been probably January, February 2020. So we've been working on it, what, three years now. Granted, the pandemic killed a lot of our creative momentum as it did for many, many people. Many, many people. Yeah. So 
it's not been a solid three years of work. I'd say probably closer to 18 months, maybe 20 months of actual, you know, concentrated effort. We have uh, the main book done and the fantasy book is edging ever closer to be done, being done here probably in the next couple of weeks. And then we get to have the fun of playtesting it and running with mm-hmm. it from there. Between the two books, we've got a little over 300 pages and two different uh, Google Docs that we use for uh, uh, collaborative writing and all that. Uh, name of the game is Core. It's actually an acronym. We went nerdy and it, like, you know, GURPS <laughs> is the generic universal role-playing system, <laughs> right? Which was a joke name that kind of stuck to the game when it got published. We did it intentionally, tongue-in-cheek, full-on. We own it. It's the common overcome rules engine because one of our core mechanics is a overcome die. Uh, instead of raising or lowering uh, difficulty numbers, if something's more difficult or less difficult, you have what's called overcome steps. So something's you know more difficult, like it's long range or shooting your blaster through fog or somebody has cover, blah, 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 whatever. You have a separate die that you roll that doesn't add into your number to hit the target number. But you have to overcome your overcome steps with your overcome die. And it it adds some subtle mathematics in there. You got to be a big math geek. Uh, Matt Neagley would love this. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, you were talking about D6 pools earlier. And I'm like, I don't know if I could handle JT and Matt being on a podcast (laughs) together talking dice math. There you go. So anyway, that's number one on my list is kicking off an official play test. You know, we've done the... uh, mock battles, if you will, where we made some characters and threw some orcs at them and just to see where the rough edges are at, we've gotten beyond that stage. So now it's time to actually run a legit campaign in that system. That, that, that's number one on my list. As head gnome, I'm going to comment that I expect to see some articles talking about <laughs> these play tests in the future, JT. Okay. Don't I... have to give anything away. Don't sure. have to give anything away, but it'd be nice to talk about the process and sure. and you know how it goes and all of that. That would be fun. I'm down for that. I can totally write up some stuff about that. Yes. <laughs> Good article fodder there. How about you, Ange? What, what, what's your number one on your 2023 list? So number one on my 2023 list is Coriolis. Um, it is a free league game that uses the same core system as Tales from the Loop and Vason, which I'm going to quietly, you know, not mention to JT that it's kind of D6 pulled. <laughs> hand wave that. This one is science fiction. And the, the concept is, is that humanity sent off these um, long-term colony ships to go settle other places in the the universe, the galaxy. The main setting is an area where one of these colony ships ended up and settled. And then at some point as they settled, the technology caught up and they were, you know, humanity was able to get there quicker from other places through gates. There was a war, the gates have been shut down now. And then there was another colony ship that showed up and kind of these mix of cultures. It's got a a, a term I've heard kind of referred to it is a, it's a little bit Arabian Nights flavored science fiction because there's a Middle Eastern feel to the cultures cool. that are in the game. But I love Tales from the Loop and Vason enough that I want to give this game a try because I need a science fiction game. <laughs> I'm constantly in search of a good science fiction game that can give me what I'm looking for in that type of genre. And while I dearly love Uncharted Worlds, I've struggled a little bit. Uncharted Worlds is a Powered by the Apocalypse space opera game. Um, I've struggled with it a little bit because you are creating the universe from whole cloth and I end up starting to feel a little overwhelmed with the games, the campaigns I've tried running. So 
Jared, what's your number one? Well, first off, if I run Battle Run Anarch, then you need to run Coriolis so that I can be in that game. Because <laughs> I've been wanting to play that one, too. Um, I'd have to say, what's really funny about this one, the One Ring 2nd Edition, it came out last year. I really want to get that to the table. And the funny thing about that is the One Ring 1st Edition was something that I always wanted to get to the table. <laughs> I never oh, no. had a chance to. <laughs> So I I really I really do want to run that. I like how it is a fantasy game, but there is something about it where it really does play in those spaces where it is exploring you walking from this place to another and telling stories about, you know, this location and worrying about if it's going to be too cold for and it's not in a survival type thing, it's just more of a, in a narrative thing, but there's still combat in it. There's um a lot of mechanics to uh, track whether you're gaining shadow because you know you have become corrupted by the the area that you're in or whether you have despair because it has become very rough and dangerous moving through this territory i just i love it because it feels very tolkien to me and after watching the rings of power last year i even more want to get that to uh to the table sometime totally get that so, yeah. Yeah. jt what what's your second all right, real quick, I actually have the One Ring 2nd Edition starter set on my shelf, <laughs> and sadly, it is still shrink-wrapped. I thought I had opened that thing, <laughs> but I guess not. Uh, so anyway, um, my number two is Cyberpunk Red. Uh, I played, well, didn't play, ran. I ran Cyberpunk 2020 for a bajillion years, uh, pretty much from the moment it came out until you know, even today, I still run it. And I would love to get Red, uh, Cyberpunk Red, to the table. And my group is pretty much on board with it. It might be not the next campaign we play, but the one after. So we're all having loads of fun with our current one. So we're not going to abandon it just because there's a new shiny on the horizon. <laughs> but I love me all sorts of Cyberpunk. And I feel like a really bad person for not getting this table yet <laughs> with as much passion as I have for that genre. So, uh, yeah, Cyberpunk Red, that's my number two. Uh, how about you, Ange? What's your second one? So my second one is actually going to be uh, a, a slight addendum to the first one, because my second one is Orbital Blues. And while this is completely unconnected to Coriolis, it is also a science fiction game. And it is the other one that is on my shelf that I really want to give a try to. I would happily play if somebody were going to run this one. Orbital Blues is the, I want to say it kickstarted in 2020, but it, it's basically very thematically flavor-wise, similar to Cowboy Bebop. So it's hard scrabble people down on their luck, trying to get it th get through the day with their ship and their wits. And it's a much more rules-light system, uh, which is I'm funny saying that when I compare it to a free league game. But you know what I mean. It's <laughs> it's definitely more of a narrative one, and it's it's one that's very shiny sitting on my shelf calling to me. How about you, Jared? Um, okay, so I'd have to say for my next one, it would be the new version of Werewolf the Apocalypse, which is not out yet, but the reason that I know I want to play it is A, I like werewolves, and B, um, I have seen, you know, the the fifth edition engine for the World of Darkness things that has already been used for Vampire Fifth Edition and uh Hunter, which I reviewed last year. I have always liked werewolves more than just about anything in the world of darkness setting i did not get into the world of darkness much in the 90s it really wasn't until like the uh the earlier 2000s that i started uh, getting into that 
but werewolves are my favorite of all of those things so i'm looking forward to that that one's not out yet but it should be out in 2023 so that one's on my list i loved werewolf it was my favorite of the world of darkness i mean changeling came a very close second but werewolf was was my baby same yeah loved werewolf vampire distant second the rest kind of scattershot after that but yeah (laughs) so JT, what is your third? My third is Hyperborea 3rd Edition. It was kickstarted last year, uh, shipped out, I believe, on time, if not, you know, like, <laughs> you know, real close to on time, which is uh, amazing for a, a Kickstarter. <laughs> I say as I look to my Kickstarter list of stuff I'm still waiting on. I know. It's sad. It's sad. But I have the player's book, the referee's manual, and I believe the DM's guide. They're, it's all, they're two separate books, and, and, or not DM's guide, the DM's screen. We've played, my, my group and I have played Hyperborea 2nd Edition a few years back. I think everybody in the group backed the 3rd Edition Kickstarter. We're, we're looking forward to getting that to the table this upcoming year. Not a whole lot changed in the game, really, but he did clean up and streamline and used better pros. And, and you know, it just, it, it's more accessible to like a new gamer because the 2nd Edition, at least in my opinion, was presented as, oh, you know how to pl- play role-playing games. Here's the rules, right? And, and there, there was no on-ramp, uh, yeah. so to speak. It's a hard balance to fit. You, know, you, don't, you don't want to bore the veteran, but you've got to entice the newbie, so to speak, to come in and, and enjoy the game as well. So yeah, so yeah, we're looking at running some good old you know, Conan fantasy pulp style adventures with a lot of weird. There's so much weird in Hyperborea. <laughs> Again, yet another Gonzo type game that I, I'm looking forward to. So how about you, Ange? Uh, third on my list is Savage Supers. And I'm not sure if I will be running this or uh, my buddy in my game group, TJ, will be running it. We both backed it and got pretty extensive stuff from it. Uh, and we're both very keen on giving it a try because I love Supers, but I, I don't necessarily like running crunchier games and the the more lighter narrative games, like the, some of them I absolutely adore, like Masks. I find have limited longevity for me as far as a campaign, not to mention masks is very specific to playing teen superheroes and not every adult likes playing a teenager. I don't understand why, but (laughs) like, let's toss our impulse control out the window. But Savage Supers is definitely one that we are going to give a try at some point this year. My group is pretty fond of Savage Worlds. I, I I debated putting Pine Box Middle School on the list, but I don't have that one yet. Uh, but I, I actually have Sa- um, Savage Supers. So how about you, you Jared? Okay, so the next one on the list, I would probably say would be Apocalypse Keys. And Apocalypse Keys is a Powered by the Apocalypse game. And you are sort of playing, it's kind of like the BRPD, you know, Hellboy type characters, where you're all kind of weird misfit monstery type people investigating other monsters except everyone has that sort of looming bringing the world to an end thing that hellboy (laughs) himself has so every character could potentially bring about the end of the world and there's like certain moves where like if you do this move it's going to be more successful but it also potentially brings the end of the world that much closer and you know i really like the i i love hellboy i love monster hunting stories so i mean this was definitely always going to get my attention so i would really like to get that one to the table (laughs) okay fourth one jt fourth one uh another free league game Uh, they seem to be hitting all the marks uh with a lot of people lately 
this one in specific for me is Blade Runner. You know, it, it is, I've gone on record many, many times saying I'm a cyberpunk fan. Guess what? Blade Runner fits. <laughs> so I, I really want to see how Free League captured the mood and style and atmosphere of Blade Running in, in a role-playing game. I, I really want to see how that, that plays out. Hey, I know a guy who just did a review. I, I was going to say, if you, like JT, are interested in uh, learning what this game does, there is a review on Gnomes 2 that examines that. There is. <laughs> I, I have it bookmarked, but I haven't had a chance to read it yet. So uh, right here in my bookmark bar. So yeah, that, that might be a post-recording read for me. <laughs> but I love the whole Blade Runner uh, franchise. I've got the box set, the box set with the car, the box set with the new movie, yada, 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 right? I just, uh, there's something about that story that's just super captivating. I'm going to live in that world for a bit, you know, at the safety of the game table, at least. So <laughs> how about you, Ange? What, what, what's your fourth one? Uh, fourth one for me is Coyote and Crow. I'm not sure that I want to be the one to run it, but I would very much love to get a chance to play this one. And I know that one of the other folks in uh, one of my semi-regular permanent gaming groups picked up a copy of it, and he's also very interested in it. So I'm hoping that I can nudge him into running it, although it may end up being him nudging me back and I end up trying to run it instead. <laughs> but either way, that one is also very much on the list and calling to me. It's another massive, massive book, but <laughs> absolutely gorgeous. I really liked the rules in that. I really liked the setting. I did kind of want to see what more adventures look like in it, but they did a Kickstarter last year for an adventure anthology. So I am waiting. I'm eagerly awaiting that to come out because I do kind of want to see kind of more of their idea of what ongoing adventures in that setting would look like. Okay, Jared, what's your fourth one? My fourth one is probably going to be a cheat because by the time anybody's listening to this, I may have actually run it. <laughs> Tales of Zadia, which is a uh, Cortex Prime game based on the Dragon Prince animated series. I love Cortex. I've loved Cortex ever since I uh, I was running uh, Marvel Heroic role-playing. So I'm really excited to uh, take this one out and take it for a spin. I love the Dragon Prince. I love the that, that series. I think it's great. It's some of my favorite fantasy. So it is a great combination that hopefully I'm going to see how it plays at an online convention that I'm running it at. <laughs> that should be awesome. I don't have a fifth one, so I'm going to throw this out to Jared and JT to give us their bonus uh, game they want to they want to run. JT, go. All right. I just made a, a, a last minute substitution in our show notes <laughs> uh, because I realized there's a game I picked up about three or four months ago. Uh, Zweihander. Keep the book away from small children, not because of the content of the book, but if you accidentally drop the book on a child, it will kill the child. <laughs> They, they use the really good paper. It's not a very thick book. I would compare it to roughly the size of like the the Pathfinder 1 core rulebook as far as physical size. But they use the really good heavyweight paper in the book. And I think I hurt my elbow the first time I picked up the book. But <laughs> that aside. That is a true sign that you're a grognard is that you hurt yourself picking up a gaming book. Yes, yes. But I uh, uh, picked up the book. Flipped through it, got intrigued, and I know like three. It was three hours later, and I was still engrossed in reading the rules and about the world and setting and how to make a character and everything that goes into the game. And the book is just gorgeous to begin with as well. I've also got the Main Gosh supplement book as well. That one I'd like to get to the table. 
uh, as well. It's a, yet another fantasy game, but I, I'd like to see how its approach at handling that genre works for my gaming table. Go ahead, Jared. What's your bonus? Uh, what's your bonus uh, game? My bonus uh, game would be uh, Fate of Umdar, which if that name sounds familiar to you, uh, a few years back, they released that as one of the Fate Worlds of Adventures, where it was kind of one of these smaller booklet-sized settings. And the type of setting that it is, is basically, it's the, you know, the, the weird science fantasy of, you know, sorcerers and laser guns and everything that you see in, for example, He-Man or Thundercats. That is what it is trying to um, evoke. <laughs> so they're taking that, and uh, Fate of Umdar is going to actually blow that out into a full game by itself. Cool. And I am really interested to see that because I love weird things like Masters of the Universe. So. <laughs> well, maybe we will have to do a follow up episode in late December <laughs> to see how many of these we actually got to the table. There you go. Keep the show notes around so we can rem- remember. <laughs> so let's start getting out of here. This show is funded by the Gnomes 2 Patreon. You too can become a Patreon backer by following the Patreon link of the Gnomes 2 website to the Gnomes 2 Patreon. This ad is brought to you by the Gamedex. Are you old enough to remember a Rolodex? Well, imagine that, but for all the games on your shelf that you've been ignoring endlessly, now you can ignore them while also keeping them organized into categories like probably not, maybe someday, no one else would want to play. The Gamedex is for your endless gamer dreams. If you're enjoying the Gnome Cash, you'll probably like many of the other Misdirected Mark shows. Here's one to check out. I go with advantage. Angie and Jared love talking about RPGs and D&D. Together, they share insights into the games they're running in the campaign journal, and then they tackle a variety of topics that affect the game in the DM's workshop. They're going to talk anyway, anyway, so they may as well record it. Maybe you'll even pick up an ancient D&D factoid about the previous edition of the game that you'll never use. We should listen to that sometime. <laughs> we should. <laughs> <laughs> you can find all of us at gnomestew.com, at gnomestew on Twitter, and gnomestew on Facebook. Gnomes, is there anything else you'd like to give a shout out to today? No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I completely forgot to prep for this part of the show. Yeah, honestly, me too. It's 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 2023. It's a new year. We'll find more stuff for you to look at later. Yes. But, but you could go to my blog at whatdoiknowjr.com. <laughs> <laughs> While we're at it, head over to my website, uh, jtevans.net. I uh, got a new book out. Uh, you'll find all the, the goods and info on my website there. So there you go. So I'm going to say that nobody's in danger of going into the stew this week because I want to see some of these games get run. There you go. (laughs) 